Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. One o'clock hour, Wesson Walker, you're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We're live at Spartanburg, South Carolina for Panthers training camp. The first day of full pads. They're starting to go at it 100% now, Wes. I know you've got the anxiety rising because you're a former left tackle. You talked about it a little bit there with Iki Aquanu. There's no worse feeling than when you turn around and you say, Look out. Yep. To the you know he can't really hear you. Uh, there's nothing that could be done at that point either. Yeah. Like what's going to happen is about to happen. Well, and this is – you're so right about this the, the more you think about it because when you put the pads on, that's when we always talk about how you can truly evaluate yeah. trench play. Mm-hmm. You can truly evaluate some of these defensive ends. And we know if it would be a sack or not. Like some of them are 50-50 yes. calls. But now you know, okay, like no, the quarterback's not going to go down, but you know that it's extreme physically, right? Like you know physicality is going to be at the most high this offseason with the first day of pads and then as we move on to the training camp. And so it was fun to hear you talk a little bit more about that with one Iki Aquanu. You were just saying during the break, that's going to be a rich man here soon. Oh, yeah. About I, four years. He's we, already rich now, but... We feel so good about it, right? Yeah. Like, after, after the tape last year, we just felt so good, all-encompassing, right, from game one to game 17, that he's going to figure it out. And it doesn't mean that this is going to be someone that doesn't have any ups and downs. Of course, you're going to get beat. He is going to get beaten for sacks. Bryce Young will be tackled as a result because Icky didn't do his job because there is not a perfect left tackle that exists, right? But when you have Icky Kwanu that young, that gifted, that much of a run blocker as well, I mean, in both facets of offense, it doesn't matter. He's going to be so – we just – we're so confident that he's going to figure it out and be a Pro Bowl caliber player. Yeah, it just speaks to the uh, the caliber of the offseason and the caliber of the, the building that they've had as well. Uh, but mainly when you talk about just the fact that it's rare that a quarterback comes in and already has a left tackle, they're ready and waiting that looks to be one of the best uh, in the league. I think that's tremendous for him. And you do feel confident about Icky because everything – Thing. You know, for one, the Panthers were very fortunate to get him in the first place because nobody thought that maybe he would be sitting there. Because you remember, Icky was being talked about as being the number two or three pick in that draft, too. So that draft is really interesting because mm-hmm. th- there were a couple of different scenarios on the table. Icky could have gone number two overall, but also Evan Neal could have gone. I mean, you right. had three offensive linemen. I feel like it was more so Evan Neal and Iki Aquanu with Charles Cross being there. It wouldn't have been crazy surprising because he comes from a pass-happy offense and from the Mike Leach system and so maybe people thought, okay, this is how our offense is a little more predicated. But for the most part, you had your choice of three different offensive linemen. Yeah. And what happened was, they got their pick of any of them. And so, there's a little more pressure because I was talking with a Charlotte Hornet fan this past weekend about how if the Hornets just had the third pick, there wouldn't be any hostility towards whoever they pick number, number two. Because you just take whoever's left over. You take Scoot. You take Brandon Miller. It's all good. And there's not going to be this big-time debate. 
You had that here with the Panthers, drafting number six. You could have drafted any one of these guys. They chose Icky, and it looks like they chose right, Wes. Cross had a good year with Seattle. Evan Neal, not so much, based off what you read. But Icky did, and that's why I think we're just so confident Well, I mean, to me, it was a no-brainer because you're talking about a guy that, as again, once again, as we just said, was talked about as being a top three selection. Uh, people raved about Icky coming out in his draft. And, oh, yeah, he's from your city, so why would you pass the guy up, right. okay? Uh, but as I said, cut up a lot of tape of him for the ACC Digital Network. And so uh, love what you saw from him at that point. And I felt like it was a match made in heaven once the Panthers got him. And so you see the personality, the charisma. The guy's a star. I mean, it's just a matter of him just continuing to improve. We hate to say it all the time on NFL play. Is just staying injury free, and this is a guy that looks to be, and and it's not just from us. We've heard pundits from the ESPNs, the Pro Football Focuses, and things of that nature saying that he's one of the up and coming players in this league. You love everything you see from the guy, just from the five six minutes he set with us, man. He looks like a guy that you just love to have in your franchise. And I, and I try to run it by you before I bring it to the airwaves. Looks leaner, nowhere near weaker. Looks leaner, right? Yes. Doesn't look as big it as he did man. coming into his yeah. rookie season. But you know that guy's a monster. And you bring up the pundits. I'm glad you did that because now we can move on to the athletic article from Joe Person who writes. Well, first, I got to throw in really quick before we go. I found it very hilarious going to the text line that Casey Steve said that he could hear uh, Icky side eye at you saying strawberry hot for I'm your t- wing flavor. Yeah, well, he did. <laughs> he he, re- but it seemed like it he was, was going to be willing to try it though. Oh, which is no, all that no. matters. I mean, offensive lineman, man, we're going to try any wings you have, mm-hmm. any flavor. Strawberry hot is real. I'm, I'm going to try it. You've never tried it. I've I'm never. Tell, I'm, it's my favorite over there. All right. Now let's talk about the guy that did okay. you know, raise an eyebrow because you're right. Like I get it. It doesn't sound great, but it is phenomenal. And we do expect Icky to be a phenomenal left tackle in this NFL, uh, in his NFL tenure. Joe Person writes the same. Seven early surprises from Spartanburg. You can find it on his Twitter handle, his X handle. That seems so weird. His Twitter handle, <laughs> at Joseph Person. Number one takeaway, how quickly Iki Ikwanu has become a force at left tackle. As mentioned, there wasn't much in the way of hand-to-hand combat, but now as we get to the first day of pads, you can really tell Iki has been one that has been real strong. And Shaq Thompson talk, talks about as hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shaq Thompson has been vocal about what he expects from Icky. I think you hear that from Frank Reich as well, right? Like he has been putting people on notice, which means he's putting in the work during the off season. Doesn't seem like he's been eating too many chicken wings at checks, not not the, right. the wrong amount Sparingly. at least. So it's I think what else is giving us so much confidence here, Wes, it's the fact that so many different veterans on this roster are also pointing at that guy more so than others, right? Because you're you're not going to hear them say a bad word about anybody on the team, but they're pointing to Icky and say, yeah, he's going to be a problem as he moves on. And you can see it having, you know, uh, br- breaking down, broken down his tape, I should say, mm-hmm. in NC State and even watching Carolina. Yeah, and you can tell guys' body language and the way they react when you ask them about guys. That's what I look at. It's like if you ask and they say, oh, yeah, he's coming along, you know, getting better each day. That doesn't sound good to me. But when you get close, mm. like, he's strong as hell. He's definitely improved yeah. a lot. You hear so many good They actually come away with him. something specific about yeah. them, right? Oh, we think he's going to be great. No, yeah, man. yeah, he's like, coming some... along. You know, <laughs> yeah, no, right. no, you're hearing great things about him, man, and, and that's just the key. So now uh, a great left tackle on the offensive line is just like getting the quarterback. Once you get that guy, everything else is downhill as far as building uh, that 
that offensive line. So they look to have a solid group around him. But this is a young man, too. He exudes the type of confidence uh, to be able to come out and have a great season as well. It's just like, you know, he's just learned more and more and more. And the thing was, while he was learning on the job, he wasn't doing a bad job at it. And so now he's got a really good uh, quarterback back there that he wants to block for. And that puts an extra jolt in you, too, when you've got a quarterback that you feel very confident that maybe not necessarily every time you step on the field, but a lot of times when we step on the field, we're going to get some points. And that just adds an extra oomph to everybody on the offense. So if we continue to move along with the main takeaways we got from the first week of training camp heading into this Monday, the first day of full pads, C.J. Henderson, Keith Taylor, cornerback depth, they're popping up, Wes. And I'm a little hesitant. Yeah, I'm not buying that. I know. I know you are. I get it. We can only evaluate what we've seen from the first week of training camp. But C.J. Henderson picked off your boy, got an interception against Bryce Young. (laughs) Keith Taylor looking good out there. Now, it is unfortunate because we did get a report from Joe, by the way, about C.J., had a good start to camp, apparently tweaked something, still in uniform, but not been participating in drills for a while. And even an undrafted free agent at the cornerback spot that I know is also your boy, Rajon Wright. Doesn't seem like he practiced today, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, undrafted cornerback Wright on the exercise bike. Undrafted. So this is, you know, the good and the bad. When they're out there, it seems like the cornerback depth has been performing well, mm-hmm. as good as you could possibly ask for at this point in the offseason. But now you're a little banged up. And this is the problem. We felt bad about a Dante Jackson or a J.C. Horn being banged up and then relying on some of these guys. I guess I didn't really think, well, if your depth is banged up and then in an actual game J.C. Horn to Dante goes down, then who do you go to, right? It's still a problem, but it is nice. I, I still think I take away more of the positive here. We'll never know until they actually perform in a regular season game, but all signs pointing up for the second straight year for C.J. Henderson. Hopefully he can make good of it. Yeah, and that may be true. I'm definitely going to be a believer when I see it in regular season action uh, before I start to say, okay, this guy's coming around. The secondary, the cornerbacks, to be specific, uh, are still a work in progress, but a work in progress. But the safeties sound like they're pretty good. Uh, it, it sounds like they're in really good shape there. Jeremy Chan in here earlier talking about, uh, you know, how he's progressed and how ready he is for the season. But then when you talk about Von Bell and what he's bringing uh, as well as and Xavier Woods with uh, Jamie Robinson, we'll see how his training camp progresses. So I think that that's going to be cool uh, as well. Now, you saw a little bit further down that article talking about uh, DJ Johnson saying how he hadn't made any splash plays. But with the pads coming on, this is yeah. the guy that they're going to be looking for to be able to get out there and do something as well. He's He's a guy I'm really intrigued to see how his training camp goes and how he comes out of the preseason. Well, I mean, you mentioned all the rookies. DJ Johnson, you're totally right. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, Marquis Haynes, I guess, has been making a name for himself this offseason before he gets that a he pass. Has. So, you know, that's one main takeaway. But on the opposite end, it's not that we've heard anything bad about DJ Johnson. But also that might mean something bad itself if you don't hear about any of these guys. <laughs> you go PP and AP, pre-pads and after-pads. Okay. What type of players are we talking well, about? We have to get biblical. Yeah, hopefully we find out AP about <laughs> DJ Johnson, what he's going to roll with. But that's another takeaway from Joe on this article. It's about the quiet start for a few of the rookie draft picks, not named Bryce Young. Bryce Young in a separate conversation, of course. But DJ Johnson, not hearing a lot about him. Chandler Zavala, we can't because he's also injured and not playing right now. I 
I think he'll be out for a couple of weeks, as it was reported last week. So we still have some time before we really put him out there. And Mingo is the guy I want to talk about more so because the wide receivers, those are the guys that shine in training camp. Those are the ones where if you get a few targets, all you need is two catches. That's about it. And then people will be circulating. People will be putting your name out there on social media. Haven't heard a lot uh, about Jonathan Mingo. What do you make about the quietness surrounding the rookies before we go to break? Uh, You know, with Mingo, I'm just going to keep giving it more chances. Uh, Like I said, uh, we heard so much about him coming into this camp, so I'm going to give it a little bit more time. As I said, to me, camp starts today. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I get, you know, before without the pads on and OTAs and all that, we're hearing about this guy and that guy, and that's good stuff to here you want to be heard about but today is when camp starts in my opinion and i'm not talking about looking on instagram or uh, to x and seeing guys winning one-on-one drills i don't want to see that i want to see team conditions uh you know running game drill conditions where you're talking about uh inside drill and things of that nature that's what i want to hear about people making noise and, and those types of drills so to me camp starts today we'll see where it goes from there uh 704 when i was mentioning the strawberry hot wings mm-hmm. casey steve totally called it he was so right about the side eye i don't know how he heard it you are a superhero of some sort you have powers but you were totally right about the side eye. I said, yes, like Josh Fitty Marlowe did when I mentioned Sagebrush in that one segment because that promo's been going around. I sounded just like Fitty. Uh, 704 also, y'all sleeping on strawberry. Brian said, listen, I've had blueberry hot sauce before. It was lit, sweet and spicy. It's a fantastic combination. I do like sweet heat, so that's why I'm very yeah. more, uh, much more inclined I to mean, try these. Sounds like I'm putting people on a little bit. 980 also wrote in, where are those strawberry hot wings at? I love sweet and spicy flavors. Mango habanero, yes. Also one of my favorites. Also like a spicy Asian chili sauce. Yeah. Chex wings. Uh, we we need to get them on, man. Because as soon as we let Fiddy on uh, know about it, Fiddy, that was among his favorite. Yeah, they're great. They run my blood pressure through the damn roof, though. But that's all right. Yeah, I mean, look, they're they're our favorite. We are the show. We are Wesson Walker, a show for Chex Chicken Wings. It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Let's go to another week of Team Week. This time we get to the Power 5 neighborhood. The Deeks. Yep. We did my alma mater last week. We're going to do yours this week. The Wake Forest Demon Deacons. We take a look at their recent history. Coming up next, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. Wake Forest wins the Jarrett Birmingham Bowl. And your biggest
most heartbreaks. Jim Grobe is the coach of the year. Riley Skinner is the rookie of the year. And the Demon Deacons of Wake Forest are the Atlantic Coast Conference champions. It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. Touchdown, Wake Forest! And every Saturday, you tap that sign. The wait is over. College football is here. I wanted to find a soundbite of Wes Bryant so badly. Wes, when I tell you that I looked for playing days, Wes Bryant, any interview out there whatsoever, it's not like I put, you know, hours of research into it, uh -huh. but I looked for a good, like, hour or so trying to I find something. And I know you did. They didn't put me on the mic often because <laughs> they knew they were going to get all of the candor that you get now on the radio. That's so right. I was a guy, they were like, we're not going to put him Jim Grove in front said of a no, microphone. Sir. Yeah, we're not doing that, man. Too much uh, off the field. And uh. he's like, nah, this guy's get, uh, liable to say anything if mm -hmm. I put him in front of this MIC. But I'm in front of the MIC now, yeah, okay? Now you're on the mic. And I get to say whatever I want, but we're going to talk about the Wake Forest. Demon Deacon. I'm sorry, Colin is shaking his head over there speaking for the station, but you can say a lot of what you want now. I don't know <laughs> if we say whatever you want. Coming into this season, so Wake Forest, when we talk about their recent successes and failures and just how the program has been, uh, you're talking about a program that's won eight games in a season and ten times in the 115-year history of the program, but four of the ten eight-win seasons have come under Dave Clawson, so he's got 40% of those to be exact. They've been to seven straight bowl games, which is a new school record, and Dave Clawson is pretty good in said bowl games games. He's got five bowl victories, the most in Wake Forest history. Now he's tied for fifth in the ACC history for postseason wins. And overall, the Demon Deacons are 11-6 and six in bowl games. But uh, since the start of the 2016 season, Wake Forest is tied for the second most wins in the ACC, not counting the COVID-shortened 2020 season. And additionally, they have the second most wins in a single five-year period in the last thing I'll hit you with Walker Mail. Clemson and Wake Forest are the only football programs to rank inside of the top four in win totals over a two-year, three-year, four-year, five-year, six-year, and seven-year period, respectfully, okay? Respectfully, respect the Demon Deacons. <laughs> well, no, I, I think you can't help it if you go back and look at what they've done since 2016. That was Dave Clawson's third year. I want to go back further to set us up for the recent success okay. here, Wes, because you played for the guy that had them get to the ACC championship and win it in 2006. I was looking at those highlights, by the way. Okay. Better, let's just say lowlights. That game was absolutely <laughs> yeah, atrocious. Yeah, I was at that game in person. It was brutal. Mm -hmm. I could not find Yeah, and, and it was not. I think, was that... I don't know who was on the call. It might have was it Nestler? On yeah, the call for they that were. One? Yeah, so Nestler was on the call for that, Trying and he best. was not excited about <laughs> the end of that game. He did not give me an emphatic call. But I did want to go with Grow because in 06, after the ACC championship, 11 and three that year, nine and four, eight and five. You have one bowl eligible season. You don't have another winning season until you get to Dave Clawson's third year, man. Jim Grobe gets the axe after 2013, going four and eight. And so this was a guy. Is it fair to say he's iconic with Wake Forest? Is that too much? Oh, no question about so, it. You bring an ACC football championship to Wake Forest, you are cemented. So I thought so. And they had to make the difficult decision after losing season after losing season after losing season to finally move on for Clawson, 3-9 and nine his first two years, and then, you're totally right, Wes, 
I mean, Wake Forest has been one of the better football programs within the conference that you can absolutely set your watch to, that they are going to win at least seven games. They are going to get to a bowl game. More likely than not, they are going to win said bowl game. They're four and two in the six bowl games that they've been to under Dave Clawson. And it's just one of the better coaching jobs, in my opinion, in the entire country, to be honest with you, as far as just somebody that has stayed at their school. Now, if you want to get into some of the nuance that, well, if they do, if a coach does such a good job after your first three years, then somebody's going to come get you and coach at a bigger squad. But that hasn't happened with Dave Clawson. And it doesn't matter, Wes. You've got defensive talent. Mostly it's been for the offense you've had very good quarterback play Notre Dame wanted your guy last year in Sam Hartman Georgia wanted your other guy and Jamie Newman the Rams wanted John Walford <laughs> everybody wants a QB that y'all got playing for y'all and that's why I have zero problem saying yeah Mitch Griffiths he's just going to pick up where he left off because we have precedent Wake Forest has earned the benefit of the doubt that they are going to have a winning season every single year they step onto the football field and it all starts with Dave Clawson taking over and having a great year ever since 2016 concluded yeah no doubt about it. And so when you look at it, it has been great quarterback play and just the fact that he's kept continuity there. Uh, a few coaches have come in and out of the program since he's been there, but this is a guy that likes where he's at. He was known as a guy, as a fixer. He came from Bowling Green. They said that was the reputation that he had. And to be frank, Wake Forest is looked at by a lot of people as a stepping stone program. Uh, you would think that a guy that comes in automatically once they start winning, you think, uh-oh, the countdown is on before they go somewhere else. Coach Grove was the same way. I remember the Michigans, the Nebraskas, all of them came after him. He stayed where he is because for coaches, I think one thing they like about Wake Forest, and I think Carlton's probably the same, even though he doesn't get content, they like the security of coaching at Wake Forest. If you get the Deeks to a bowl, that buys you a lot of time, whereas in a lot of programs, they're going to be like, okay, yeah, Eight wins is cool, but not good enough. And I think that's the dilemma you face as a coach that's coming from a school like a Wake Forest. It's, can I go here and eight wins is enough? Well, you step up and, and you leave Wake Forest and you go to an Auburn. And it's like, all right, you win eight games in the first season. Oh, yeah, coach, we love you. But then the next season, that eight wins don't look so high, eight or nine wins. And they'll get you out of there if you're not getting them to that double-digit plateau winning championships. And at Wake Forest, you will be a guy that can be there as long as you want to be, as long as you're winning games. And when you look at Coach Grove, I mean, how many winning seasons or losing seasons, should I say, did he put up before – he was fired. He goes five and seven, three and nine, six and seven, five and seven, four and eight before they let him go. So that was five straight yeah. losing seasons yeah. before they decided to get rid of Coach Grobe. So I think winning buys you a ton of cachet more than it gets you at any other school. But Coach Carson has come in and done a spectacular job. We saw the CBS Sports uh, ACC coach ratings that had him second in the conference. And I just gave you the stat again to let you know uh, why he could be hailed, not necessarily in the same breath as a Dabo Sweeney, but a guy that you can throw right in there at number two. And I'll say it again. Clemson and Wake Forest are the only football programs to rank inside of the top four and win totals over a two-year, three-year, four-year, five-year, six-year and seven-year period. So he's done a splendid job at Wake Forest. So we have all this love for Dave Clawson, and I think he's one of the guys that everybody wants to point to and say he's the most underrated. And it gets to a point where if everybody is saying you're the most underrated, you're just not anymore. I mean, I think people respect what Dave Clawson has done at Wake Forest now, right? I think he gets a, an appropriate amount of respect. Can I tell you who is more underrated? 
Wes, can you tell me why nobody talks about Warren Ruggiero? Uh, we talk about so many different offensive coordinators within the ACC that come and go, and then even talk about some of those head coaches that came from a coordinator position. Manny Diaz comes to mind, but of course, it doesn't work out at Miami. It's happened a couple of times. Man, this guy has been with Dave Clawson every step of the way. And if you look at the last six seasons, this offense has been as good as really any other conference or any other school that you can point to in the conference for at least a six, five year period. It doesn't matter what quarterback. I've already gone over that point time and time mm-hmm. again. And yet when you talk about some of the finalists, some of the nom- nominations that he's received, he got one. He was a Broyles Award finalist in 2021. And that's about it. I, when we look, we do the whole, oh, he's the most disrespected. No, oh, that guy's the most. I think I'm looking at him, man. Like, I really do think it's Warren Ruggiero because you can go to any other place. You can go to any other place. They're going to get a job somewhere else. The head coach, different coordinator, we're going to be singing their praises. But we really only – we stop at head coach and quarterback at Wake Forest. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm not paying attention. Maybe it's deep within the heart of Winston-Salem that they're talking more about Ruggiero. But I'm here to break that open, man. I'm here to say, no, we need to start talking about him a lot more now going into his 10th season as one of the best OCs in the country. Yeah, and you talk about it, too. They finished the 2022 season averaging 36 points a game, six consecutive seasons of averaging 30 or more points longest active streak and fourth longest in ACC history. And this offense, too, the way they get it done, too, Walker, is very unorthodox. When you talk about that offense where they hang in there and put that ball in that running back's gut and hang on to that mesh until the very last second and you don't know what they're going to do. And a lot of teams, they look at it as an easy uh, uh, offense to stop until you have to play against it because it keeps the defense so uh, you have to be so disciplined playing a against a, uh, a a unit like this that does what they do to linebackers. You got to sit there. You don't know if that back's going to come popping out of there with that football, or you don't know if the quarterback is going to take it out of his gut and find the guy down the field. They've built it phenomenally when you talk about the wide receivers that they've had on the outside that have made some of the big plays. You pick one, whether you talk about A.T. Perry, that could soon be terrorizing the Panthers. I mean, did I say that? Um, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. At least he did in Wake Forest. Yeah, you're talking about Ja'Cory Rob, Roberson, and they've had a lot of guys that have been among the ACC leaders uh, in receiving, but it's a very unorthodox unit. The only knock I have against it is that when you talk about when they play teams that have NFL caliber front fours, a la the Clemson Tigers. Now, this was the first season where we weren't sitting there saying, are we going to be able to score at all? Mm-hmm. Or are we going to get a cheap one late? They actually put points on Clemson this year, but when you talk about about, the only thing I would say about that offense is that when they do play against some of the teams that have the NFL caliber front force and that can stop that run and, and, and eliminate that with four guys, the offense tends to bog down a little bit more. But other than that, man, they light people up. Well, and, and my question is, is that different from other schools of Wake Forest stature that goes against some of those NFL caliber front fours? Mm-hmm. Because I would venture to say probably not. When mm-hmm. you're going up against a Clemson, you're going to have – ridiculous playmakers all across the board. Clemson has become a powerhouse. No, no, they didn't used to be, and that's why it's clear that Dabo is the best coach in the ACC, but you're doing a pretty good job at Wake, and I don't think there's any doubt about that, and that's why you even bring up the wide receivers in A.T. Perry. It doesn't matter who you have there. You can just go to a what? When, when was Campanero there? I mean, was he there at the beginning? You've had some guys that have at least shown a little something. Campanero with was with the end of Grove, if okay. I'm not mistaken. But then you bring in a Surratt yes. from a few years back, yes. and then that turns into an A.T. Perry. And I think what's interesting is 
these oh, guys aren't Scotty Washington can't forget him too. Yeah, these guys aren't getting tons of NFL looks. You know, even a Surratt who was thinking about leaving early but hasn't really. You know, it he got yeah. Well. He made a little bit of a rough decision, but Scotty yeah. uh, Scotty Washington, I believe, is still on the Bengals. Is uh practice squad, and then uh, A.T. Perry was a late-round pick. I thought he should have gone much all right, higher. So 704 is giving us all caps um, on the text line, and no, I don't talk about him lying. He's literally giving us capital <laughs> letters. He said, Wake Forest, it's the best football program in the state of North Carolina. <laughs> no lies. Tells no lies. So, I just gave you the numbers and the and the data. So no, I, I know I got uh, you know our Tar Heel Homer back at the Planet Kia Studios hitting the buzzer yeah. because North they Carolina won an ACC football championship since 1980. But so, go ahead. No, this is I, I don't how I don't know how you argue it. Yeah. I mean, right? I mean, I guess North Carolina beats Wake Forest sometimes. You know, I mean, I they do. As far as as far as a 2016 <laughs> 2016 starting point. If you just go back to recent history. Wake has to be that team, and, and NC State. NC State's the one I can't. Yeah, I mean, NC State might be the one. It'd have to be between those two that you're pointing to. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, I just gave you the facts and data on the wins. It's Clemson and Wake, and then you talk about the bowl game success. But yes, the Tar Heels do have uh, Wake's number. But in the overall scheme of things, as far as just who's been uh, winning the most, it's been Wake Forest. All right. So as we start to look ahead for this Wake Forest team, this entire week we have so much more Demon Deacon content mm-hmm. coming your way. Is North Carolina a game that you circle this year, even without a Sam Hartman? Maybe the expectations aren't as big as they were last year. I know you always have North Carolina circled because you're not the biggest fan of the world. You've told mm-hmm. us a time or two. Yeah. But because of Wake Forest not being able to beat the Tar Heels, even mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's a shootout, doesn't matter if you put 50 points on the board, Sam Howell's going to put up 58. Yeah. Is that one that, all right, Wake Forest fans are kind of tired of losing. We need to win this one. There's no question in football. There's no one that Wake Forest's fan base hates more than the North Carolina Tar Heels. They get up for it. I remember when we played them and beat them. Yep. That they put extra seats in for that game. It's just, it's just, it's just a big one. And for the fans out there, I might just take some time out of my day and make an old West Brown highlight reel just to throw it up for Team Week. I, I just might do that. I everybody. would love it. Did you, did you throw some Tar Heel edge rushers down to the ground? Uh, I mean, or, or I, I, I had a pretty, yeah, I had a pretty good game against Wake. I mean, against uh, North Carolina. They did. Um, they had. I mean, Carolina always has good players. Yeah, who, we, who, who would have been on that team? Um, we, I, they didn't down? have any headliners. Yeah. I, I feel like when we when we played against them, but Carolina always has solid players. See, I gave them a compliment. Yeah, you did. Yeah, good for you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, while I try to give uh, wash my mouth out from saying anything good about oh, Carolina, Carolina and Wake don't play this year. That's what. Uh, yeah, that's what. Uh, yeah, nipple. Okay, yeah, we yeah. wasn't looking at. Forgot the, about that. Looking at the schedule, right, but yeah. we'll get a crack at them soon enough. All right. So when we come back on the Weston Walker Show, we're gonna go back to Mount Rushmore. We're gonna make the climb back up that ACC football Mount Rushmore and talk linebacker. Backers. This is the Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Wesson Walker live in Spartanburg, South Carolina for Panthers training camp. We've been taking a little bit of a break from the professional football talk. We've been going along with Team Week for a while, Wake Forest. They made their debut today. Looking back at the recent history, the recent success, really, that they've had since Dave Clawson took over. And we're going to keep it college football centric. Because, man, how many more Mount Rushmores do we have now, Wes? This might be our final one. It might I'm be. I'm trying to think today. I think we've gone through all of them. All right, so the social media man, Wes Bryant, you can find him on all sorts of social media with his handle, at Wes Bryant underscore 72. We're doing Mount Rushmore linebacker edition, and we've been doing this, what, I think for the last couple of weeks or so? Yeah. We've already done the Stretching running backs. Stretching out that content, baby. Stretching yeah, the, out that content. All right. <laughs> That's right. We're almost – I mean, we're here, though. It's Spartanburg. So this probably – it's probably good timing that we're ending it today. Yes. Linebacker position, best ACC players at that spot in the conference's history. Wes, number one on the list. Who you got? All right. Well, you can check all these out on the ACCDN on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of that good stuff at – the ACC DN. Starting things off for the linebackers, man, we're going to go to Fitty's Happy Place, North Carolina. Lawrence Taylor, first team ACC all team, uh, all time team, according to ESPN, and the 1980 ACC Player of the Year, and climber of walls in Chapel Hill, and eater of glass in Chapel Hill, because <laughs> I read his book Lawrence Taylor on the edge in college and did a paper on it as well. All right, so that's not a bad one. I did ask you because I looked up the best ACC linebackers of all time. Mm-hmm. Now it only gave me a list in the BCS era. Okay. So So that is one that I would not have – that's not what I was expecting, but also how are you going to argue with that one? You can't. You just literally can't. Will this one be a part of the BCS era? You tell me, Wes, who's up next. Uh, He is not, but we're talking (laughs) about one Derek Brooks of Florida State University, 2016 College Football Hall of Fame inductee in 1994. ACC Player of the Year, not Defensive Player of the Year, Player of the Year. There's a big difference there. When you're a defensive player and you can win Player of the Year in the conference, man, please. Yeah, that's impressive. There's no doubt. I don't know if you can argue really any of these other two. What about the third one, Wes? Can we argue this next one? What's up? Well, for the third one, this will be in the BCS era. We're going to go to the University of Maryland, a guy that I played against as well. Straight monster talking about E.J. Henderson, 2021 College Football Hall of Fame inductee, 2002 Bedneric Award winner, absolute monster. <laughs> I had to say monster. You did, yeah. Yes. Um, all right, so who are the first three that we have? now we have EJ Henderson LT, and Hill. Derek yep. Brooks, EJ Henderson. If we had a 3-4 defense, this would be not only I mean Whew. good NFL players as well. All three of these yes. guys. 
What about this next one? Come Wes? on now. I mean, I, Come on now. You, you, this guy you put on the him. black and blue. Bradley Blanks, he's got it correct when he says we're talking about Luke Keekley, First team all-time ACC linebacker, according to ESPN, and the NCAA's all-time leader in tackles per game. Folks, if you just want to be wild, go look at Luke Keekley's season-by-season statistics at Boston College. I mean, it looks like high school statistics the stuff that he was putting up at Boston College. Yeah, well, and and we got to see that firsthand immediately upon him stepping on an NFL field. And by the way, when Luke Heakley was drafted by the Panthers, not a welcomed pick because we felt that we were deep at that position here Mm -hmm. in the Queen City. You had John Beeson. I think that was not too far off of the James Anderson season where he had a very good year at linebacker as well. We felt that we were real deep. Why are you going after another one in the first round? Well, because he was the best linebacker when he stepped onto a football field for, what, the eight years that he played, something like that. Absolutely incredible. And so I don't think anybody's going to argue, especially in this city. I knew that pick was going to be phenomenal. 532 tackles in three seasons (laughs) at Boston College. This is not a linebacker that played it. Alabama and had all these guys, 35 and a half tackles for loss. Come on, man. And seven interceptions. Luke Keekley, in my opinion, I mean, he could be the GOAT college linebacker. And now, I I did expect maybe one answer from you because of the Wake Forest connection. Also, top pick, Aaron Mm -hmm. Curry. Mm -hmm. I thought maybe Aaron Curry. Mm -hmm. How much did you think about him? And is he on your honorable mention? He is in our honorable mention. We go Aaron Curry, Anthony Simmons, and Keith Adams from Clemson. So Clemson picks up two guys in the honorable mention category. But Aaron Curry, for sure, Buckus Award winner he was a guy that made honorable mention i mean i mean good lord these guys you talk about we had people complain they talked about uh was my man shade tree marvin oh god i forget his name from florida state but he was nasty marvin jones uh he was nasty too man so it was a lot of good guys to pick from this might have been our strongest mount rushmore well I mean, especially nfl careers good. i mean if yeah. ej henderson has the worst nfl career then i that's an incredible list yeah, i mean you're talking about three of the best to ever play their positions and LT a lot of people say could be the greatest football player of all time all right so I have the Athlon list best linebackers in the ACC of the BCS era you mentioned EJ Henderson Luke Keekley on that list also another Maryland oh, yeah, player sick Dequel Jackson uh very good we Aaron Curry number four you mentioned Adams he's number five on this list another guy Mark Herslick great story as well being able to overcome oh, quite yeah, a bit no. in his life um Boston College linebackers they had it on lock for a while um LeVar Fisher out of NC State. Leroy. Oh, yeah, he was good. Yeah, Leroy Hill out of Clemson. Played against him. Tommy Polly, and then the last one, Daryl Black. He was good, too. Played Virginia. against him. So that'll do it. Um, I did want to mention this, too. I was thinking about some of the Clemson players. Mm-hmm. I thought of Ben Bulware. I'm not saying that he should be on this list. Mm-hmm. But you know, North, you know the Carolina Panthers, they have this weird thing where they have not drafted a Clemson player ever in their franchise's history. Everybody points to Bulware as being that guy, but he was undrafted. And so he came in and was an undrafted guy before being dropped. And I think signing with San Francisco the week before those two teams played against one another. But that's one of the more interesting things, just to have a couple of Carolina Panthers draft ties here. Luke Keekley. Not somebody that everybody was thrilled about. And then, you know, Ben Bulware, you know, probably not on this list. Not going to be Luke Keekley esque But 
was somebody that did play for the Carolina Panthers. Any other names that I didn't mention that you thought might be there? Uh, I mean, like I said, you can just go down the list. But Ben Bower, just to your point really quick, I thought he was a guy that was going to end up being one of those underdog types of players yeah. that was going to end up making an NFL roster. Uh, but you talk about just – I mean, you can go through all the teams and, and just pick one. You talk about Kay Mays at North Carolina. He was uh, really good. You want to go to Florida State. I mean, you can – pick one when you're talking about those guys. I mean, I remember playing against, uh, they had a really good Mike Backer, uh, Buster Davis, uh, but if you really want to go back name. to the, yeah, Buster Davis was pretty good, but if you just want to go back to, to the great linebackers, I mean, it starts with Derrick Brooks, as I said, a, a Marvin Wilson. I mean, you can just go down the list in the ACC, man. It, it really is one of the stronger position units when you just talk about uh, great players over the years. That'll do it for ACC Mount Rushmore, talking about about linebackers this time. And I think we're over and done with after that. ACC Mount Rushmore, it is done at least here on Wes and Walker. You can go catch a lot of the clips that Wes did. Yeah. Wes Bryant underscore 72 and yes. some of the, Top the changes. 25 coming soon uh, for 2023. Before we move on, are you going to call it X or are you just going to keep calling it Twitter? I kind of like uh, the whole X thing. I got to get used to it. Really? Yeah, it sounds You're kinda, one of the few that I feel like is talking. I mean, it's just, it's just, I don't know. It doesn't feel right to call a tweet an X and then a former X because it's hard to make that word plural. Yeah. So I feel like I'm just going to keep calling it Twitter. I don't know, though. We'll see if, yeah, it, I if mean, it sticks at, at any I point. I say that, but subconsciously, I'm probably going to always call it Twitter. <laughs> it's going to be hard to adjust it to is. that name. It is. All right, that'll do it for ACC and Mount Rushmore. We'll come back. We have one more hour to go. We'll continue to give you updates coming out of Carolina Panthers training camp, the main takeaways. We'll recap some of the sound that we heard, the comments from our guests in the first hour, um, like Jeremy Chin and Iki Aquanu. That was a lot of fun. It's all coming up next. Wes and Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.